Hey Candy Fam, this is Nate from Talking Candy. We wanted to let you know that this audio podcast is a recording from a weekly YouTube series on the Talking Candy YouTube channel. We often reference charts and other visual aids throughout the show that in our opinion improve the overall experience. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe so that you can stay informed on everything in the world of candy each and every week. Well, I'm just going to start with a, a thanks, Nate, and we can use that as the cut-in point. Yeah, I can even just toss it over to you so it's more natural than a thanks, Nate. Give us a taste of what you think would work. Thanks, Nate, and I... <laughs> <laughs> I... Okay. Should we try that again? Yeah. <laughs> What's up, Candy Fam? My name is Nate, that's David, and this is the Talking Candy Weekly Update. Each week, we take a look at everything going on in the world of candy and give you an idea of what you need to be paying attention to. And while David and I each have collections of our own, none of this is financial advice. Please do your own research. We are just here to have a good time. David, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's, uh, we say it every week, but there's so much to talk about this week in particular a lot since last week has has happened and uh, i just can't wait to get into all of it yeah it's been a wild last five six days tons of updates new products we've got burning to talk about i was at vcon i haven't slept in my own bed in about five or six days i'm exhausted i'm literally a walking zombie right now but we're gonna push through this we had a pack drop today we've got commemorative tickets so a lot to talk about we're gonna try and touch it all and try and stay under an hour. We're going to fail, but we'll, uh, we'll give it our best shot. So let's start with some of the, the most recent updates here posted out on Twitter. The first and most significant thing, and this is going to take up a lot of our discussion later on in the show, is the announcement of burning challenges. So this is something we've been talking about. It's been on, her, on the horizon, but some, some more concrete details were announced last Thursday and we're going to see a new rarity called the Titan Rarity. It cannot be pulled from packs. It's only gonna be achievable through these burning challenges. And basically, we've got a new point system. I'm not gonna dive into this too deeply because we're gonna talk about this at length, but the only way to get these are through burning cards, a combination of the guy you're trying to get, and uh, you can use some, some level of points with, with guys that aren't that particular person, that particular player. But it's a permanent challenge. Once you burn it, it's gone. And we're going to dive into what it all means, what the numbers are, and take a closer look at that. We also saw the announcement of commemorative tickets being finally launched. We knew that this was something that was coming, but the, the first version of this, the first iteration, was done by the Cubs. With, uh, it was Fergie, Jen Fergie Jenkins Day. They unveiled the statue at the ballpark, and they launched this NFT to anybody that, that went to that game. So if you checked into that game, you got this airdrop to you and it can be traded on the candy marketplace, which is really cool. Even though it was a free NFT, you can do what you want with it. And while a couple of these sold early on for relatively low prices, they are there's a really high floor on these currently. It was the first one. So a very cool NFT and also a very cool bridge to the people that are going to baseball games, enjoying baseball, IRL, and getting this, this free commemorative ticket that could kind of bridge that gap between people that don't exactly know what candy is and, and give them an interest to go check it out. 
So this is very cool. My favorite cool. thing about those commemorative tickets is when you pull one up, it has the specific seat number of the person who redeemed it, which I think is just the nicest touch. So if, if you redeemed it from a game you were at, I mean, that's just a reason to hold on to it forever because that's not just a ticket, that is your ticket. Yep. So I think that the way they're doing this is that there's going to be just like a handful of momentous moments or that was redundant, but, uh, you know, big moments in a team season, they're going to pick to, to do these on any given day and it'll be part of that experience. So that's really cool. And to the point that you just made, we also saw the announcement just today, Tuesday, about the season ticket collectibles. So these also have the, the seat number on them and only eight teams opted into this. So don't yell at candy, yell at your team, but Basically, Kansas City, Miami, Minnesota, New York Mets, Oakland, Pittsburgh, Texas, and Toronto are going to give free NFTs to their season ticket holders. And it shows the game from that day as well as the upcoming five games. So it's a, it's a real-time updating NFT. You can also sell this on the secondary. I don't know how many people are going to sell these. If I got one of these, there's a 0% chance I would sell it. I am not happy that the Red Sox didn't opt in. Uh, I know you're not happy that the Giants didn't opt in, but with uh, in a conversation that I had was fortunate enough to have with Scott Lawwin this past weekend at VCon, stuff like this is very much based on the team. Some teams find this to be a ex really exciting new opportunity that they want to get in on the ground level and start introducing digital collectibles to their fans, and others it's lower on their priority list. So he kind of said that the stadium series was something that gave them uh, a foot in the door with all these teams to do just an initial project and kind of gauge their interest, and it runs the gamut. So this is clearly a, a set of eight teams that have a lot of interest in this and exciting for, for the fans of those teams. Uh, hopefully we, we see that list expand in the not-so-distant future. And speaking of VCon, just wanted to touch on this real quick. Uh, don't have en enough time with everything that we have to talk about to to give this the time that it deserves. I am hoping to do a, a shorter video later on this week if I have time specifically about this, but just to give a quick recap, they there was a big presence. Candy had a big presence at VCon, and what you see here on this first picture is basically you had the main stage, and when you would walk down into the, the field of the, of the stadium, right there, the first thing that everybody passed by was this, this big activation on field where on the left side there was a pitching challenge on the right side there was a hitting challenge so there were four different bays and everybody was walking by it there were constantly lines not right here because there's talking going on but there was a ton of presence and up here where the the different v friends were are circling around here that was constantly showing up as as candy branding candy ads so it was cool to see uh, a big presence but the actual booth itself was run by a couple candy employees and then a lot of hourly employees that had nothing to do with candy. That was disappointing. There could have been a lot more education going on. There could have been more, just more excitement around the product itself. A lot of the focus was clearly, uh, you know, spent on brand awareness and, and setting a good vibe. And they did that. They handed out cool merch. People were lining up to do the, the activation and there was a constant presence, but I felt that, that 
a lot more could have been done to to really show excitement around what was happening with with the product itself this was the only display of the product that was on the other side and you know they had some some looping icons you know the the trophies the the uh, world series rings different things like that so it was on display but to somebody that had no context there wasn't a whole lot of understanding of what those different things meant so just felt like a an opportunity was there to to explain a little bit more about what the product was so leave that at that the other elements so basically you had three pieces you had that on-field activation you had and then you had two panels one panel was the founder panel where you had gary vaynerchuk michael rubin and mike novogratz three of them talked for 25 minutes and then there was also a panel that uh, scott lawwin the ceo of candy was a part of it wasn't candy specific but certainly talked about candy the scott lawwin panel was positive it was surface level but it was informative it was good uh, information about how candy how they define themselves how they feel their position in the market what their objectives are what their their customer questions are and and those different challenges it was it was informational this panel with the founders with gary michael and mike the room was bursting at the seams people were waiting for literally hours before this started because gary was going to be there not because it was candy the opportunity was huge to educate educate people on what candy was we're in the middle of a pack drop we had just announced burning uh you know commemorative tickets all this is going on and then they spent 20 of the 25 minutes talking about their origin story which had absolutely nothing to do with candy itself it was hugely disappointing in my opinion was it cool was it interesting absolutely were people in there enjoying listening to these guys talk absolutely did it have anything to do with candy not so much they touched briefly on the jackie robinson product they talked a little bit about irl experiences and things of that nature but i just felt that the the opportunity that that was at hand to to really educate a room full of people that didn't necessarily know what candy was was spent talking about things that weren't exactly candy so again brand awareness people in the room talking about candy obviously a positive it wasn't all negative but this was a big opportunity and and it felt like more could have happened here uh so i'll leave that at that and then this was ex immediately following scott lawin's panel one of uh, a member of the community came up to him and said, I want to open a pack with you. And, and they did it. And he pulled a, a Salvi Epic and he also pulled a Vlad core. And it was just a cool moment. Uh, Scott is clearly a fan of baseball. He was, he was genuine in his excitement and he gave a group of us uh, about 20 minutes to just kind of chop it up and talked about some things that are going right. Some things that have, have gone wrong. And it was just a really genuine conversation. So appreciated that. A lot of positive, definitely a lot of room for improvement, you know, and hopefully, hopefully this was just kind of a first of, of many, you know, candy having presence at, at events like this that can be approved, improved upon and go from there. But that's my two cents. We don't have to linger on that any longer, but just wanted to give a quick recap on that. So from there, let's, uh, let's quickly touch on what the upcoming pack drops are before we jump into burning. We had 
the we had the lineup four drop on Tuesday, today, yesterday. I don't know how to say this anymore. It doesn't matter. Tuesday the 24th, lineup four dropped. 90 players. We've got two more drops after this one on the 31st of May and the 14th of June. So keep those dates written down. But with that, let's get into the main event here. Let's talk about burning. Let's talk about burning. This is... This is the, you know, this is the event we've been waiting for, and we got information about it a lot sooner than I think we were expecting. I, we knew burning challenges were coming. We were hopeful we'd have them by the end of June. I didn't expect we'd have, you know, mechanics about the burning challenge by mid-May. And, and so it's given us plenty of time to, well, react to the news, and we've seen a lot of market changes as a result. But just you know, sink our teeth into the information itself, what it means and, and the different strategies that we can adopt regarding the burning. Did you just want to go over in general how the burning is going to work? Yeah, I'll, I'll just break this down real quickly here up at the top. I know that there's a lot of information on the screen here, but in, in a nutshell, the way that this is going to work is the, the Titans that you're going to be able to burn are going to consist of the top 100 players that have the the one of ones so that that list of players is guaranteed at some point to be part of this challenge and then i'm going to need you to remind me how many how many total titans are we going to have what's the number of of epics there's going to be 200 total titans okay so that means 100 out of the 150 other players who have epics but not legendaries will also get a titan so there's going to be 50 of those players with epics that are going to be out in the cold titanless. Okay. and we do not know which 100 will get them and which 50 will not we can speculate i think that there are probably 50 that you can safely say are going to get them and then the remaining 100 it's it's probably a toss-up you know i would assume i would hope that they're going to go with the best players the most relevant players that seems to be the sentiment when tearing out these players based on what rarities they're getting. So I would imagine that's what we're looking at. But you do need to be a little bit more careful and also take it with a grain of salt that if you're choosing to stack a player in that epic only tier, that they may not get a Titan. It's There's a chance that they may not get it. So with, with that said, the way that this is going to work is that starting at some point in June, I think the way that we work the math out is that somewhere in the vicinity of five to 10 players per week are going to be announced as, and this is an assumption, we're just basing it on the numbers, but there's going to be some batch each week that runs from Monday to Thursday. Is that what it is? Monday to Thursday each week? Mm -hmm. Yes. Where that, that batch of players is going to be available as the burn challenge for that week. And what you're going to need to do is burn 51 points at least worth of that particular player and then 49 points can be made up of any player and as you can see in the top right cores are going to be worth three points uncommon six rares 15 and epics 40. you can burn any combination of cards in order to hit these thresholds you could burn 100 points of that player if you wanted to i don't know why you would but you do have that option but you're better off going 49 points of scrub players. And this is what we've been talking about for weeks now, where these 50 cent uncommons that are now at a floor of a dollar 
and your your 50 cent cores that you've been picking up and the packs that you've been ripping and smartly holding the contents of those guys of random no name relievers can be used to make up those remaining 49 points so congratulations you're welcome you did a good job you've got your burn pile now you can use that to do this but hopefully you were stacking some guys that that you had particular interest in i know that all the rainbows that i completed of the red sox have have me eligible for for titans of those guys that being said i might not want to burn those epics i might need to backfill it so strategy and, and what you want to burn that's that's something that we can get into here but that's the that's the basic concept here is that you need 51 points of the titan player and you can make up the remaining 49 using anything and then i'll let you jump in with with this breakdown of the numbers of of kind of what the what the big picture looks like right so one thing i wanted to do is try and figure out just how much of the supply is going to need to be burned through these events one thing that i don't think we mentioned yet is that there's a limit to how many titans can be crafted per player so each player can only craft a maximum of 100 titans and so that means the first 100 people who you know pull the trigger on burning those cards will receive that player's titan once 100 is hit, then you won't be able to burn, so no one's going to burn their cards and not get a Titan. But the way the numbers work out, it's starting to seem unlikely that many players are going to hit 100 anyways, even though there is that limit, just because it's going to take such a high percentage of the supply of these players' cards to, to craft 100 of them. Even if you use the minimum, 51 points of that player for that week... You know, if 100 different people do that, that's 5,100 points worth of that player's moments being burnt, being destroyed, you know, being removed from the supply forever. And there's just not that many moments to go around anyways. And so you see it at the bottom section at the top there, it's got the theoretical points per player. Uh, so that means if you calculate the points for 250 epics, 500 rares, 1,500 uncommon, and 2,750 cores, that gets you to 37,500 points. That would be if every single copy of a particular player's card had been pulled from a pack. But that's not how it works in real life. Not every pack gets opened. Not every copy of that player's cards is going to be found. And so if we just take you know, Mike Trout as a popular example... There are going to be Mike Trout cards still in packs. That's going to affect how much is available and how big a percentage of their supply is going to need to be consolidated for 100 craftings of Titan you know, rarity cards to even be possible. And so right now I'm assuming of the packs that have been distributed, we're just kind of ballparking, maybe 80% of them have been ripped and the other 20% are still sitting closed and the number might be higher the number might be lower we just need to pick something to to generalize but with lineup one and lineup two we know that nearly all of the packs have been distributed but yeah maybe only 80 percent have been ripped so that means there aren't 37,000 points for those players in circulation there's maybe only 30,000 and so just for the player that you're crafting to make a hundred of them, you know, that's 17% of their total supply that would need to be burned. And that's not even touching on 
the other 49 points that you're going to need for every craft. That's going to really take a big chunk of the supply from these no-name relievers. We're going to see, maybe not in the first week or the second week, but by the third or fourth week, we're going to see those trash cards, those you know, lower-quality players, we're going to see them start to run thin because even as big a stack of cards as I have, if I craft too many Titans, I'm not going to have enough cheap cards for those other 49 points. I'll have to buy more, and everyone else will be in that same position. And, and people who already sold all their lesser cards, you know, if they want to craft a Titan, they're going to have to go back to the marketplace to potentially buy those same cards they sold for more than they paid because the supply each week is going to be taking such a hit. And so right now, I think we, we can safely assume the, the top players might achieve 100 crafts, 100 titans, but many players won't. We, we might only see 50 titans crafted for some players. We might see less than that for others, just depending on how those points are consolidated among the people who are chasing those titans. But it's honestly not that difficult or not that expensive currently to get 51 points worth of some players. I was running the math myself on, you know, the, the field of players. And there were some players who you could achieve 51 points for, you know, less than $20. Uh, and those are mostly the players that have epics, but not legendaries. But even some of the players with legendaries, you could get 51 points worth of their cards for $25, $30. And when you consider that you'd be crafting a, a 1 in 100 or potentially a 1 in 50, just depending on how many get made, that's pretty reasonable. But the fact that you can do it means anyone else can do it as well. So you should not be crafting a Titan simply to flip it and sell it back on the marketplace. You should be crafting one because you want one you really shouldn't assume that there's going to be somebody who wants to buy it the same day you craft it. Because anyone who wants one will have just went out and bought those moments themselves and crafted their own. The other thing I wanted to mention was the difference between lineup one and lineup two and the other four lineups. You know, lineup three, four, five, and six, only half of their packs have even been distributed. The half that are being sold the weeks that they're being released. And, and in some cases they're not even selling the full half. And so that puts their available points down to 15,000 if we assume that half have been sold and only 80% have been ripped. And so that would make over a third of their supply um, you know, vanish if a full 100 Titans got crafted from some of those players. And so uh, I think that just reinforces that it's incredibly unlikely that we're going to see a hundred titans crafted for every single player. So we're going to see a balancing act with players from those lineups with the reduced supply. We're going to see those price spikes. We're going to see that cause new people to be listing on the marketplace. Uh, we're going to see those listings help new people get the 51 points they need to craft their own but I don't think we're going to see too many players, even the top players from those lineups, hit 100 full Titans. Um, but it's it's going to be exciting to see because there's so many different ways you can play it. Um, there's so many different strategies you can employ. Personally, I'm going to craft 
or attempt to craft a Titan for at least every San Francisco Giant who gets one. Uh, I'm already keeping a, a full set of each player, so one core, one uncommon, one rare, one epic, you know, or just whatever rarities they have available. And so I'm also going to be trying to just get 51 extra points for each Giant. So that way, even when I craft their Titan, I'll still have one copy of each of those rarities left over. And I know that's a bit ambitious, but at least for the Giants, that's what I want. But for other players, um, players I might not care about having a Titan of, I'm looking for deals. I'm looking for bargains on players that will get Titans. Because when their name gets called, when it's their week to shine, they're going to be pretty valuable that week to people who do want to craft a Titan. And so that's, you know, of course, just an obvious play you can make. But even less obviously is going to be continuing to scoop those cheap copies of the no-name cards. Because before too long, we're going to be running short on those as well. And, and so we can see that even just from the Titan players, we're looking at 17 to 34% of their supply getting burned, you know, getting removed. And we're going to see similar, if not higher, numbers on those lesser players that don't even have as many, as many copies to begin with. Yeah, it's going to be really important to, to now have a very good understanding of who those top 100 guys are, because you know that they're guaranteed to get a Titan, and kind of have a, a your own personal analysis of the epic tier those 250 guys and and assess who you think might get you know who might get a titan who might not and like you said these cards are now going to have very specific moments in time where there is dramatic price action on their cards and especially with cores and uncommons because from what we've each taken a look at and from a tool that we're going to show very shortly, there is a, a big gap in how much you're paying per point from an Epic down to a core cores and uncommons are the most affordable because there's no added value baked into those. Whereas rares and epics, those are cool on their own. Those have value on their own. And so, there is still a premium on top of those that extends beyond just this this point system. So what we've seen is that the floors on uncommons have come back to $1 strictly and anything that gets listed below a dollar gets purchased quickly. So 50 cent uncommons are gone now. That's not a thing anymore. We saw a lot of stuff sitting at 65 cents, 70 cents on uncommons for a while. That's gone. So the, these point values have stabilized those two floors and then depending on the player rares and epics are still you know a little bit beyond that metric of the the ratio between the three six fifteen and forty points so that doesn't mean that you shouldn't burn those because if you pulled an epic of a guy that gives you the points that you need you pulled it out of a pack you know you could justify it that way but i would argue now there's risk with this but i would argue that you might want to just sell that card and then buy back cores and uncommons to replace those 40 points and then be left with whatever the delta is in money now this is not necessarily this is not foolproof because we don't know what this is going to look like exactly we don't know what the demand is to burn we don't know how guaranteed it's going to be especially with a guy like trout or wander or some of the big names. So if you sell that epic 
and you don't get a Titan, you might be upset. So take it all with a grain of salt. You got to come up with your own, your own strategy. I personally have to make a decision on that Buxton Epic that I pulled a few episodes ago, where that card, along with a few more cores that I've pulled, put me over that 51 point threshold, but I've got a tough call to make. Do I burn an Epic? Do I sell it in order to grab some of the lower value cards at a cheaper price per point? There's a lot of game theory here, and that is what we've been waiting for. That's what's gonna make this fun. So you have to come up with what your strategy is gonna be. And if you were already stacking players, you're in a really good position right now because a guy like Bogarts, for example, his cores were readily available for a dollar, and now they're three. So if you were stacking a guy like that, now, you can, now you've got a burn pile for him that is much more affordable than what it is currently and certainly more affordable than what it's going to be on the week that Bogarts gets announced as that person. So you have to keep in mind that even just thinking about this right now, you're early. You're earlier than somebody that hasn't found candy yet or that just isn't thinking about it on this level and might find out that very week that, that this is something that they need to be thinking about. So starting right now to think about what you might want to do with your collectibles with with your I'm calling it your burn pile that's what I'm calling the junk pot the junk cards the the relievers that that only went up to uncommon those are going to be the guys you use for your your 49% and you want to start to assess which guys do I have a stack of that that I'm already at 51 or close to and I think that that's a, a good segue here into this new tool that shout out to Willigaroon for, for putting this on Serial Chaser. But basically what we can do here is when you go into the research tab on Serial Chaser, you type in a player, it still pulls up this chart like it always does. So same as it was, but if you scroll down and if assuming you have your, your collection plugged in in the, uh, in the My Collection tab area, no, oh, I just messed that up, but so when we go back to it, because I already have my collection plugged in there, when you scroll down, it's going to show you what you have and what you need to get to that 51. So right now I have a rare wander and a core wander. You put those two together. I've got 18 out of the 51 points that I need. That leaves me with a delta of 33 that I need to cover. And now you got to take these prices with a grain of salt because it's only being updated every six hours, I believe. But what you can see here is what the current listings are at each tier and what you're paying per point. So as you can see, we've got at a $26 core, you're paying under $9 a point. When you move up to a $60 uncommon, you're paying exactly $10 a point. At rare, you're up above 11. At epic, you're up above 12 per point. So to the discussion I was just having, it's a little bit cheaper to be stacking cores and uncommon if your objective is to eventually burn them. And you can go in here, you can check, okay, if I buy this uncommon and these three, and then I grab a rare, you can see that this is counting down and then, okay, one more. And now you can see that if you go grab four cores and uncommon and a rare, now I've got what I need to cover that 51 points. So this is a really nice tool to make it easy to see what you need, see what you have, and you know, just to show a guy like Bogarts, who I did, I completed the the rainbow of, I've got one of each, which puts me at 64 points. But again, do I really want to burn this epic that is, you know, $1.32 per point? Or do I want to liquidate that, 
or just backfill it with cores that are less than a dollar a point. So there's no right or wrong answer here. It's obviously a lot of work to be buying all the individual cards. There's something to be said about just, you know, grabbing three rares in, a, in, a, uh, in an uncommon and you're good to go. So to each their own, but it's good to understand that these tools are at your disposal and that there's a, there are different angles to be considering this from. One thing to interject, Will did update that page. So listings will actually refresh every five minutes or so okay. on that page. And so if you happen to pull up a, a player that hasn't been, you know, had their listings pulled within the last five minutes, it'll, it'll pull some fresh numbers for you. Uh, now, if a lot of people are buying that player at the same time, it is still possible that some of those listings you're seeing will be a little bit out of date but it should be pretty close. And then uh, moreover, after you check the boxes to figure out what you want, there are those links just above the check boxes that will take you to the candy site to pull up that particular rarity sorted low to high. So you can buy that same exact, you know, listing that you were indicating on the check box. And so you can, you know, check all the boxes you need to line up your 51 points and then just click straight over to the candy site and make those same purchases that you were theory crafting on the serial chaser site. This is an incredible tool. This burning mechanic was announced last Thursday. It has been six days and Will <laughs> built this with, with input from others, but one guy built this. This is impressive, man. Thank you to Will. This is really, really cool. This is gonna make this this burn challenge a lot more enjoyable and a lot more digestible for a lot of people. So definitely check this out. It's a, it's a pretty, pretty great way to, to wrap your head around what your collection has, especially if you use it in conjunction with the serial one tool to look at your checklist and, and see everything that you have. So this is great. Let me jump back to the, to the burning graphic. I don't know. Is there anything else that you want to talk about? Is there anything specific that, that you're, that you're doing here? Like, what's your approach? What, how many, you know, what are, I know that we're still kind of figuring it out and we don't exactly know when this starts. We know that it starts in June. Don't know what week in June. I'm kind of guessing that it's going to be at the end of June when all the pack drops are done. Although the last pack drop is June 14th. So mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be all the way at the end, but that's probably, you know, safe to assume that they're waiting until the pack drops are done. Right. It might be, you know, just to take a stab, it might be that Monday after um, that final pack drop. Uh, so that could put us, you know, potentially at June 20th. That would be unreasonable for them to start it right around then. Uh, but then they would, if their plan is to to do all 200 players do their Titan event by the end of the World Series, which seems like a realistic time frame, you know, they, that for them to want to be done by, they'd have to be doing eight to 10 players a week. To, to get through 200 players in that amount of time. But as far as my personal strategy, it's a lot of targeting the players that I want to have and hold a Titan of. And then it's trying to identify those value, those value plays among the players that I don't necessarily care about as much. Um, one player that I scooped like 200 points worth of was JD Martinez. And, you know, I'm not a Red Sox fan. I, I don't, I'm not going to craft four Titans of JD Martinez. Now that I have so many, I might craft one or two, but more likely than not, when his week comes along, 
uh, I'm going to be on the front line selling those extra copies because they're going to be particularly valuable that week. And so, but, you know, there's pluses and minuses. You could, you could try and be the fastest person that day that they announce the players and try and scoop copies then. You know, that's another strategy someone might try. But the money I put into J.D. Martinez, if his day doesn't come until October, November, then I'm just sitting on those extra copies, you know, for months potentially waiting for his name to get pulled. Yep. So there's there's going to be pros and cons to whatever approach you go with. But the bottom line is, you know, the availability of players will inevitably shrink and barring a collapse of demand, the prices are going to grow with that shrinking supply. And so prices we're seeing now are going to be hard to come by yeah. in a few months time. Yeah. I mean, this is really good for just pricing in general across the board on all the lineups. It's, you know, we're, we're going to see burning of the stuff that already exists, which is going to raise the value of those cards that remain. We're going to see this snapshot in time where the Titans get created, but then we're going to have new people coming into candy that, that missed that snapshot or missed that moment. And so that limit of a hundred Titans per player those are going to gain value over time. So really like the way that this is designed. It it did a lot of the stuff that you and I have been asking for. It's it's a hard decision. It's a lot of cards to burn. This is not a this is not a, a slam dunk got to do it no brainer. And and that's how it needed to be. Otherwise, what's the point? You're gamifying. There should be game theory. There should be decision making. So people that that were stacking cheap cards along the way, clearly the play was to be stacking cheap uncommons or stacking cores of better players hopefully you were doing some combination of those two or even if you were just doing one you're coming out ahead here and to your point it's going to be any given week you're going to find out who those burning titans are and there's going to be a lot of price action on those given players so yeah to me it's just being aware of who those top 100 players are as well as I'm going to, you know, kind of sift through what I think is maybe the top 50 out of the 150 epics to play it safe. Being aware of those guys, buying good prices on those, stacking guys that I personally want Titans of, obviously the Red Sox, some other players that I like that I just already have the 51 points because of guys that I was already stacking that I felt were undervalued. So, you can do it a lot of different ways. You can you can help fund other collectibles in your collection just by buying and selling at the right times with these things and so it's just fun we've we've added a layer of fun to this and it's what we've been asking for so i'm looking forward to this it's not that far away it's probably about a month away and now we have a reason for all of these cards so thank you to candy i think that this is well thought out it's also just step one right there's going to be other non-burn challenges coming and there's going to be more information, but I'm pumped to have this information now because it gives us all time to, to plan for what we want to do. And I think that that makes it more fun. So now I will say that my particular strategy these past several weeks um, didn't exactly align with the way that this event worked out. And, and that's understandable. You know, no one's psychic and no one's going to play the cards perfectly before an event like this is rolled out 
Um, but, you know, and I was going for cheaper carts. My guess at the time was that a burning event would be more geared towards burning those lesser players for something different. And not that so much of it would involve burning the good players. And, and in this case, you know, more than half of the burn is going to be from those higher tier players. In cases where I saw two listings for a dollar and I wanted to get one of them, more often than not, I picked the lesser player just because their supply was smaller. I went for the person who only had 1,500 cores instead of the person with 2,750. And so as a result, my burn pile is massive, but my burnable potential Titans pile is not as big as I'd like it to be. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I still think that by taking advantage of those low prices when I did, uh, I'm more than confident it's going to be a valuable move. It's just It just happened to be that my particular strategy didn't hit the ball completely out of the park with the way they structured this burn event. Uh, but I was hoping that the burn challenge would focus on the lesser players and the non-burn challenge would focus on holding the better players. But in either case, this was still a, a big win. It's a great event, and I can't wait until it gets started. And it's also a really good PSA for the fact that this is not financial advice. <laughs> we are just figuring it out like the rest of you, putting our best effort in. We get some things right, we get some things wrong, and we're having fun with it. So before we get into ripping some packs, let's talk a little bit about early access because this is something that we've talked about before. It continues to be a topic of discussion and it continues to be extremely broken in both of our opinions. And I understand that this is probably gonna be what it's gonna be for the duration of the leadoff series because we've made it this far, but it does not make any sense whatsoever in its current form. We've got three different tiers that give early access to, to these leadoff series pack drops. And the, the discrepancy from tier one to tier three, it's it just, we just need to pick one or the other. Because right now up at the top, we've got tier one giving access to people that spent thousands of dollars on a 21 all-star set, a 21 uncut set, the MLB stadium series chaser completionist, that cost $100 times 30 stadiums. So that was $3,000. Candy Sweet members put a ton of time into the community, huge commitment. And then Candy Discord day one's early access, um, you know, just that's just part of the NFT space. Tier two, also significant money. Candy Sweet Futures basketball chasers, that was eight, it was eight players, right? Times $150 mm -hmm. minimum for the rares. So you're looking at $1,200 there. Or right now, the cheapest legendary from 2021 on the market is $1,500 and that's not readily available. So that number goes up fast. So again, over $1,000 for those. Those top two tiers are people that have put significant investments in either money or time into this project. And then down at tier three, we have the ability to get into early access for $15 by buying 15 uncommons from 2021. I am not saying that that shouldn't necessarily be part of it. It's fine. If you want to do that, do that. But then there's absolutely no need to be listing tier one or tier two for this. So 
in my opinion, you just need to go one way or the other and you need to define. Maybe, maybe it's different for different drops. Maybe leadoff series is meant to be extremely inclusive and you want the barrier to entry for early access to be low. But if that's going to be the case, then you need to limit early access in other ways, whether it be by quantity of the packs being distributed or may, you know, you have a really good point about the duration of that. I'll, I'll let you speak on that note. But if that's what you want to do with the leadoff series, that's fine. But there's not a single person in tier one or tier two that doesn't qualify for tier three, I would imagine. So if that's what you want to do, just call it that. Because right now, the stuff up at tier one, it's almost like you give people a reason to be upset that the that the top collectors or the people that are most involved or involved at the earliest are getting privileges that they don't even matter. It doesn't, it doesn't like you and I don't need tier one or tier two. We have a bajillion uncommons and a bajillion rares and we have the, the, you know, we both hit, I think every single thing in tier three and as do so many people in the community. And again, that's fine, but just go one way or the other. Cause in the current form, it, it doesn't make sense. So I'm hoping that the objective here is that for the leadoff series, it's meant to be more inclusive. And if you want to go that route, cool. And like I said, I'll let you speak on how you can fix what, how that would work. And then hopefully there are other things that are maybe lower mint, you know, more exclusive products that are a little bit different from the leadoff series. And then maybe you implement the tier one, tier two stuff to get early access for things like that. It's just, that's another way that you could go about it. I don't really care, but what I do care about is that early access should mean something and it should sell out. Otherwise, it's just access. It, there's no point to early access right now. It, there's nothing about it that's special. There's nothing about it that, is, that creates excitement. I get the email that tells me I have early access. It's like, okay, cool, doesn't matter. There's gonna be plenty available for general access. It just makes absolutely zero sense in current form and it needs to be fixed. So you've had some, some cool ideas on this. I'll let you break down what, what you think would be a way to, to fix it. It's a difficult problem to address uh, because they definitely seem to be going in two different directions with, with how they want early access to feel and with its how, how it's actually being implemented. But to your point that early access should sell out and early access should feel important, I had a couple suggestions that I've, I've mentioned a few times now on the Discord. But my main point is, is that early access should feel more special, and, and they can accomplish that in a few ways. Even if they want to keep the tiers the same, even if they want to allow you know, 5,000 people into early access by making it you know, 10 or $15 to acquire the necessary moments, that, that's fine. But you could still tweak the other half of how early access is actually being implemented to make it more of an event, to make it feel more special. My suggestions would be to make it last longer. So instead of two hours, I think it should be at least a day. So that way you have a longer period of time where only people in that early access group have access to the cards. I think they should reduce the number of packs available to early access. So rather than you know, 15,000 out of 30,000 going to the early access group, which isn't relevant because 
15,000 aren't going to sell during those two hours anyways, at least not according to the past few drops. Um, so they could make it a much smaller amount. You know, if they're allowing 5,000 people into early access through these, you know, freely available tier groups, then there should only be four or 5,000 packs available. And then, you know, to make that more fair, then for the early access window, change the amount of packs you can purchase at a time to just one or two. So that way no one's walking away with 10 packs. You just have a very small, very focused percentage of the packs available during that early access day, or I mean, maybe even two days. But, um, and you just have everyone walking away with just a couple packs each. And those pulls you get are gonna feel a lot more special during that day of early access. Uh, because we're not gonna see, you know, almost all the epics of particular players getting pulled, we're only going to see a handful because it's such a smaller percentage of the overall packs. And it's, you know, it's going to drive, well, it's going to drive excitement in those big pulls that you get from, from your few packs. And it's going to drive excitement for people to want to get packs the following day when it opens up to public access. Mm -hmm. So even if they're going to have this, you know, very disarrayed version of what the tier groups require, um, I think they could still have a much more polished mechanics on the early access itself to make it an exclusive, fun, and engaging event. Agreed. I like I like all those ideas and you know I, I haven't put as much thought into the actual execution of it, but the, to me, the bottom line is just that this so blatantly makes no sense whatsoever, and it needs significant tweaks. The first week, it worked, lineup lineup one. I know there were a lot of issues with that, and some of it was, you know, it, it worked for some of the wrong reasons, but it it needs to be fixed. It shouldn't have taken this long, but I'm guessing at this point, we're in lineup four. The next two lineups are going to be the same. Uh, not that I think that's what they should do, but I think it's what they're going to do. So hopefully they fix this because right now it's just, it looks silly. It makes them look silly because it, it just, there's just not nearly enough thought put into to how this is being deployed. So with that, let's rip some packs. Let's do it. Uh, who's first this week? I can never remember. That's, that's no. your job. Okay. Um, you're first this week. Okay. As, as we both know. All right. Let's, uh, let's see. So take off my, my nice new candy hat. These are cool. They were giving these out at VCon and they've got this, like, it's like a fuzzy raised. It's my favorite new hat, but it's no pack ripping hat. Nope. All right. Let's do this. My legendary's coming. I can feel it. I think we're a bit overdue for we're a We're way overdue. Point. We've mm -hmm. opened at least 24,000 packs already. That, that sounds right. Okay. All right. A rare. Give me a Cunha. That would be so hype. All right. First core. Lance Lynn. One of the 101s. Or one of the, one of the 101 tier. Mm -hmm. Right. That's an important thing to be keeping in mind. Mm -hmm. Is, you know, whether or not these pulls directly translate into titan points or not yep spencer howard pitcher for texas core number three 
Julio Rodriguez. Let's go. Nice pull. Nice. Take that. Nice start. All right. Uncommon. Miguel Sano. And the rare. Give me Acuna. Tristan McKenzie. All right. Got the J-Rod. Got the Lynn. Not a bad pack. Not at all. And for anybody that missed it, the collection tab now works as date acquired. So you can see that those five cards just dropped in at the top, which is a really nice quality of life improvement. So shout out to Candy for that one. All right, pack number dose. Eight. And an epic. The pack hat strikes again. We're back, baby. <laughs> Look at it. All right. Core number one. Cedric Mullins. Love it. Another one Another from the epic tier, tier. Or legendary mm -hmm. tier. Yep. Core number two. Andrew Vaughn, another nice pull. Young first baseman for the White Sox. Actually, that says left field. Is he playing outfield? He was a first baseman. He's young. Jeremy Pena, another good young pull. This is a nice pack. All right, uncommon. Paolo Espino, pitcher for Washington. All right. Give me something good for this epic one time. Cedric Mullins, let's go. Wow, the double Mullins. Double pack. Mullins, what a pack. That's, that is 43 points towards a Mullins Titan. Let's go. In one pack. That is Mullins Titan incredible. pack. Incredible. Nice. Just all at once. Take it. Fantastic. We'll take it. A J Rod pack, and then that. It's working for me. All right. You're up, my friend. All right. Yep, looks like it's my turn. Make sure you got me, and it's oh, gotta watch to your date. stream. There we go. There, perfect. Okay, we're live. Um, let's start with this one in the middle here. And for the first pack, lucky penny, unwrap. Okay, gym A pack. Gym pack. Three uncommons. Gym packing it. No rare, no epic, but let's see what we got. Core number one, Brandon Woodruff. Woodruff. Okay. In fact, that's great for me. I still need a Woodruff. I, I've got about two-thirds of the set so far, but no Woodruff yet. Nice. Uh, second core, Dom Nunez, catcher for the Rockies. And then the first uncommon, Frank Schwindel, first baseman for the Cubs. Second uncommon, Jordan Romano. Oh, hold on. Your, your screen froze here. Let's let it catch up. I'm still stuck on Frankie Schwindel. <laughs> um, I could stop and start again if that'll help. Yeah, that worked last time when you do that. If that fixed it. Yep, good okay, to go. So Jordan Romano, really pitcher for the Jays. And then the third and final uncommon from this pack is Trent Grisham. Grisham. Okay, Grisham's another one from that legendary tier. So, a, you know, quite a few Titan points available in this pack as well which is just a great bonus way to look at these packs. We've added um, the layer of fun we were looking for. And then my cereals. Oh yeah, stands I didn't out. check my cereals. Lucky penny number two. Unwrap. All right, standard pack. Uh, it's been, been a while since I pulled an Epic. I'm starting to, to feel lonely over here. My core is in uncommons. But, uh, oh, oh straight there you out the go. gate, though, with the Raphael Devers. That's I'm another jealous. one I didn't have yet. So that's 
that's another one off my list. Teoscar Hernandez, another legendary tier player. Yep. For core number two, Sonny, Sonny Gray. Gray. Core number three, starting pitcher for the Twins. All right, let's get some juice in the uncommons. And the uncommon, a Max Max Stassi, catcher for the Angels. And the second uncommon is going to be hey. right, another Teoscar Hernandez. So that is nine Teoscar points in this pack. Uh, I had nine already going into these rips, so now I'm at 18. I'm getting closer. I, I'm, you know, that puts me in range where I might just decide to pick up. What would that be? Thirty-three more points mm -hmm. to finish the job. So that's, that's pretty good as well. Uh, let's take a look though at the cereals. Yeah, I'm gonna check my cereals real quick here too. I got a couple on the lower end, like two seventy-three, three forty-one out of the twenty-seven fifty, but nothing, nothing super juicy. Yeah, me neither. I got a two-digit on that rare McKenzie, but besides that, nothing exciting. But uh, but I will take I'll take my reps. I do have to say that these these later the lineup three, the lineup four packs. Not every pack, but in general, you definitely feel the difference compared to the L one, L two. It's not a sure thing. You're not definitely gonna break even. Not that I was ever calling for that. That's mm -hmm. how baseball cards go in these types of packs, where it's more like just a a standard pack of cards but you can you can feel the improvement in the quality and whether you want to measure that in your enjoyment of the players that you see or the the values of the cards on the secondary uh, you definitely feel a move in the right direction so i'm happy on that i'm also enjoying that this pack hat continues to hit a disproportionately large four out of five times now right yeah, it's uh it's been a pretty good run with with the epic pulls. So, yeah, there's a uh, there's a lot to be excited about right now. Gamification is here. It's not uh it's not fantasy, but it's still really cool. It's it's challenges, it's game theory, and I think there's still a lot more layers that we don't know about that they're going to come. But for now, we've got things to strategize on. Appreciate everybody being here. My name is Nate. That's David. This is the Talking Candy weekly update. And we will see you in the next one.